Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about hope in a fallen world. Well, I'm uh, so thankful today to be with my good friend, Jason Cruz, for our podcast conversation. Uh, Jason is the church administrator and elder at Calvary Bible Church in Fort Worth. Uh, he is a longtime contributor to CBCD and teaches at our events and, and just a good friend. So Jason, it's so great to have you on the podcast for this conversation today. It's great to be with you, Keith. Thank you. Hope in a fallen world, uh, we, we see every day on our news apps, uh, we see it in our own families, in our churches, that this is definitely a broken world. And I know a lot of our counseling revolves around helping people to deal with the various hurts and problems in life. So I'm, I'm thankful, Jason, to have this conversation today because I think there's a lot of people looking for hope in a fallen world. And, you know, when we open our Bibles, we realize that God made the world perfect and he made people in his image and and uh, and then sin came into the world and and that sin in one way or another is what creates the fallenness and brokenness that we see and yet God has provided provisions and graces even post Genesis 3 so um, talk to us about what are some of those uh, providences what are some of those graces that God is doing to bring hope in a fallen world yeah, Keith, it's, it is, it's striking when you go back to Genesis 3, you know, of course, when you're asking the question of where does pain and suffering come from? And we know theologically and biblically that this is connected with sin. And we go back to Genesis 3 to see where that all started. Uh, and we look at the fall, uh, beginning with verse 1 of Genesis 3, how the serpent enters the garden and uh, presents the temptation to disobey God to the woman and then through her to the man and the fall happens. And uh, just a striking thing in Genesis three is that you see uh, beginning almost immediately, God uh, through Moses writing in Genesis gives this, this framework for how life is in the wake of the first sin in the wake of the fall. And uh, I think by studying that and looking to it uh, that we and our counselees can, can uh, increase our understanding and find hope uh, as sinners in this context in which we live uh, in a fallen world. And uh, just by way of sort of an outline in this section of Genesis 3, if you look uh, following the fall and following the words uh, from God to the serpent, where God starts speaking to the woman and then to the man, uh, you find three providences that, that God gives. Uh, first in verses 16 through 19, we see God's providence of pain multiplied uh, and then in verses 20 and 21, we see God's providence of sin covered. And then finally, in verses 22 to 24, his providence of life withheld. Yeah, no, that, that's a very helpful uh, outline there from the text. So um, with, with that outline in mind, Jason, um, maybe just walk us through those main points. Uh, how is pain multiplied uh, a, a facet of God's providence that helps us to find hope in a fallen world. Yeah, and that, that perhaps, Keith, is, is the most um, counterintuitive of these post-fall providences in, in terms of something that would give hope. Uh, but, but a little bit in terms of how it does give hope, uh, you know, like we talked about to begin with, we all know 
uh, the frustration and pain of life in a world uh, where things don't go the way we want them to so often. And, and of course, when people come in for counseling, uh, a lot of the reason that they're coming is because they're finding life to be difficult in a situation that is um, sometimes full of sin and sometimes full of suffering and difficulty that is not immediately connected with sin. Uh, and so to, to go back to this uh, original setting right after the fall and to see that these providences come from God uh, is something that can give understanding and hope. And, and really where that starts is in verse 16. Uh, now we see in the, the narrative of the fall that, of course, the serpent comes first to the woman. Uh, and what we find is that is sort of reflected in the fact that God addresses the woman first after she uh, takes and eats the forbidden fruit uh, and gives to her husband to eat also. Uh, God, God calls her to account first here to the woman. He says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children. Uh, and starting there, what we see both in God's words to the woman and then in God's words to her husband is that God directs uh, with his own intentionality and his own agency uh, the consequences of sin. He directs them to the main aspect of life and stewardship that he's already given to each one of them. And so through God's intentional act, he makes the woman's calling of childbirth and of motherhood something in which she's going to experience uh, pain and difficulty. And so, of course, that the, the uh, experience of pain and difficulty trans, transcends just motherhood and childbirth. Uh, it also, of course, encompasses, encompasses marriage, which is the next thing God points to uh, as a difficulty for her. And then for Adam, he points to all of Adam's work and Adam's effort to bring forth food and to provide for his family. And basically what we can take from this is that it is God's intention to make life in a post-fall world difficult and painful uh, for both the man and the woman. And of course, this is every person in existence at this point. And so what we can take from this is that all of life is made according to God's providence to be hard. And everyone is under this. There is no person exempt from it. And so in terms of understanding, what we see is this is an explanation. You know, when you're coming into the counseling room, when we experience this in our own lives, uh, this is an explanation for why things are hard. It is directly connected with the fall. Uh, but, but perhaps more importantly, it's directly from God. He says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. This is all coming from the mouth of God. And of course, this is supported by the truth of later scripture. God says in uh, Isaiah 45, I am the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. And again, much later in Romans 8, uh, it says that God is the one who subjected the creation to futility. Uh, so this experience of hardship, things not being the way we would want them to be, this is from the Lord. And you know, Keith, when we can get to that point, uh, we can see even before we get to the next uh, providence in the post-fall world, uh, we can start to see that that this is a good thing because we know the truth about God. Truths like Psalm 145, that the Lord's mercies are over all his works and that he is kind in all of his deeds. And so as we, we approach that next post-fall providence, we can start to take comfort in the fact that it's a sovereign and a good God that has subjected the world and our experience to these difficult providences that he institutes 
immediately in the wake of the fall. And then finally, in these verses, something to note towards the end of these first several verses, verse 19, that uh, the ultimate end of this is going to be death for man, that he is de- uh, dust and to dust he's going to return. And so that is that is our experience in this post-fall world is that life is difficult and painful and then you die. And, and just that framework uh, clarifies things for us and for our counselees that this is the design that God has for this post-fall world and understanding who God is, we know that he's good. And the fact that he's in control can give us hope and can give us understanding uh, in light of our struggles. Yeah, that's really good. Even though it's, it's counterintuitive that, that pain would have something to say, as it were, as we think about the fallen world that we live in, you know, I often talk in counseling about how all counseling problems are really just symptoms of our greatest problem, uh, and that is our, our alienation from God and our need for reconciliation through Christ. And, and that's kind of what I hear you saying is that, that that pain often, which leads somebody to counseling, it, is really pointing them back to this moment in, in history that explains why is the world broken, why is there pain and suffering, and you're right, that, that there's a good God, a merciful God that's over all of that. And hopefully what that does is it connects our counselees to see their need for God and, and to look to God to try to make sense of and to deal with the pain. So, um, no, that's that's really insightful and, and really helpful. So so w- go take the narrative from there. Uh, what is God's provision in terms of addressing that pain and suffering and sin? How does he how does he come to the rescue? Uh, in, in terms of uh, addressing. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And it leads right into the next section of text uh, and the insight that you had there in terms of the fact that these providences lead us to see our need. Uh, that's exactly how it worked for our first parents. Uh, and if you think about this, it's really quite striking. The fact that unlike us, they knew a life of absolute perfection and sinlessness and uncompromised beauty. Uh, and so just imagine the devastation uh, that would be present for them, uh, having heard now what their existence is going to be after the fall and how much need they had uh, to know hope and to know comfort and to know the truth that uh, God wasn't going to remain opposed to them, but would find a way, would have a way that he had planned from eternity to, to be merciful towards them and to give them salvation. And that's exactly where we see the, the narrative turn next. Uh, and it's a little bit subtle. Uh, but you can see it if you pick up on what's going on in the text, starting with verse 20. Uh, you see Adam's response. And again, uh, in Adam's position, having come from this experience of perfection and beauty and just goodness, to come now to this understanding that life is going to be hard and toilsome and it's going to be hard to get my food, uh, you might think that Adam would, would be tempted to lash out with bitterness, uh, disappointment, And that's not what you see. You see hope in Adam in verse 20. He called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Uh, And if you see what's going on in the dynamics of the text, you look back uh, to chapter two and what the what the effect of disobedience would be for the man and the woman. It was to be death. And so the death in view and we see this happening in chapter three in the, in the wake of their, their sin, their rebellion. They turn away from life. They turn away from their only source of goodness and life, who is God himself. 
and they hide themselves from him in shame, willingly cut themselves off from their source of life. And so as Paul talks about, of course, later, they were dead immediately after the fall. They were dead in their transgressions and sins, dead towards God. And so what we see here, and, and God had said this explicitly to Eve in verse 15, that that immediate situation of her spiritual death, he was reversing. He was making her no longer an enemy of his. He was going to make her now again an enemy of the serpent. And then, of course, there was the promise of her seed who would ultimately defeat the serpent. And it's evident starting here in verse 20 that Adam is actually trusting in that with this evidence of hope that Eve being the first to be be transferred, as it were, from the kingdom of darkness under the serpent, no longer enslaved to the serpent or a friend of the serpent, but now uh, at enmity with the serpent and a friend of God's. And Adam is giving evidence here that he's trusting this. And then you see confirmation of that in verse 21, uh, where it says that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Uh, and we see earlier in the narrative, they know following uh, the fall, following their rebellion, they know that they're naked and they need covering. They try to cover themselves with fig leaves. And what we see here in verse 21 is a couple of just theological realities showing themselves for the first time in history, uh, both that the, the penalty of sin is death uh, in the fact that God has to spill animal blood. The creation has not known death until this point, but in order for there to be animal skins to clothe them with, it meant that God had to spill animal blood and he, from his own sufficiency, of course, Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This animal belongs to God. And so from his sufficiency, he provides this blood with which to cover them. Uh, and, of course, we see going forward in the Old Testament that, that there's always a connection between animal sacrifice and uh, God's gift of forgiveness, the need for blood to cover sin, and then God's promise of the coming Messiah. Uh, which we see a little bit earlier in verse 15 uh, with the promise of the seed coming to the woman. And that's a thread that just runs through the rest of the Old Testament. So here uh, in seed form, I guess pun intended, uh, together with this covering of, of animal blood, uh, we see God from his sufficiency making a covering so that sin covered is the second post-fall providence. And it's just beautiful how Adam, we see the evidence of his hope here. And then actually in, in verse 1 of chapter 4, we see the evidence that Eve hopes in this also. Uh, her words literally there in the Hebrew are, I have gotten a man-child, even Yahweh, uh, when she, she remarks on Cain's birth. So it's evident, although she's, she's mistaken in thinking that her first son is, is the fulfillment of the seed promise, she is believing that God, who is a greater, he's the, he's the only power that she knows that's greater than the serpent, uh, is in some way, somehow, going to be the fulfillment of that promised seed and that he will also be the offspring uh, of Eve, which ultimately, of course, is fulfilled in Jesus. So Adam and Eve, in this context, both believing this promise of sin covered. You know, that's really amazing, Jason. I think probably a lot of Christians are, are familiar with this story, this historic account of our first parents, and yet you realize what's going on sort of behind the scenes and how relevant it is to broken people everywhere that, that come in many cases for formal counseling or, or just w would look to a Christian friend for help. And, and, and here we have this, this gospel in miniature, as it were, going on here to see God's grace of provision in terms of 
the covering of sin and, and how, as you said, that ultimately pictures uh, the work of Christ and, and whatnot. So really, really interesting. It just reminds us how relevant the Bible is, um, even in, in stories like this. Um, well, I know that I know there's a final providence of God in this narrative that you want to share with us uh, at the end of, of the story. And yet it also likewise, it also gives hope for us in a broken world. So tell us about life withheld. Yeah, starting in verse 22, the narrative continues and it, it uh, switches to, to God's words here of pronouncement. Uh, God says, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and live forever. Uh, and so the idea here is God is saying it wouldn't be good for man to live in this condition forever. Uh, and so here again, we see God's mercy. And, and again, this frames our understanding of living in a life, in a world, in an existence where it's not all perfect and it's not eternal life. For us to live in this situation of fallenness and, and where we had fallen from this perfection uh, would, not be, would not be good for us to live in forever. It would be perpetuating our misery. And so God cuts it short. He, he uh, takes decisive action. Uh, in a in a way that shows his holiness and his wrath and hostility towards sin, uh, putting a flaming sword and a cherubim, a fearsome creature, to guard the entrance to the garden, so that that wouldn't happen, so that so that man would not live forever in this condition. Uh, and this just points to the fact that even beyond uh, it being a mercy for us to not live forever, again, it's a mercy to us that the, that the creation is set against us in the way it is. Uh, and, and I say that in this respect, you know, looking back at the first providence, the providence of pain multiplied, uh, the creation sets itself against us in such a way that it makes it harder for us to hope in the creation. Now, of course, we are still capable of that. But the whole uh, push of this and the way that the Bible interprets this for us, uh, Romans 1 in particular talks about how it should be evident to us from the way things are that God has wrath against sin and that we're in desperate need of his righteousness. And so here again, in these things actually taking effect in verses 22 to 24, you see God's mercy and his providence so that our experience would be one that pushes us towards our need for him and that that is where our hope would be. Wow, well, that's that's quite a lot uh, of help and hope in in, like I said, this short familiar story. Um, man, thank you so much for unpacking this for us. And um, I know you recently uh, shared this in more detail in a sermon. Uh, so we might uh, want to direct our listeners to cbcfortworth.org, uh, Calvary Bible's website, if you'd like to hear more uh, teaching regarding this topic from this text. So, uh, Jason, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast and for helping us to find hope in a fallen world. And um, it just reminds us again of the relevancy and uh, the sufficiency of God's word uh, to help hurting people. So thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome, Keith. Thank you. It's my, it's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Counsel the Word. For more information about Jason Cruz and the ministry of Calvary Bible Church, including uh, the recent sermon that Pastor Jason preached on this topic, 
you can visit them at Calvary Bible Church's website, which is cbcfortworth.org. And for more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, you can visit us at our website, thecbcd.org.